So, Berto and Chad, I thought we would just read patron emails and respond to them. What do you say? Sounds like a plan. I like it. Okay. This is, this is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm chair of the Couple and Family Therapy Program at Antioch University, Seattle, and I'm also a licensed therapist. Uh, my name is Humberto Castaneda, and I design mice. I am Chad Bronstein. I'm a small business owner, a company called TimeToHire.com. And what do you do at TimeToHire.com? We help companies find commission-only salesmen. Yeah. Making when, the world better one salesman at a time. When I hear that, I just get, I glaze over, it's honestly. Boring. It's boring. Well, no, no. Uh, but, but, boring. but here's the thing. Whenever we're at a party and people, I introduce Chad to someone, particularly people like that work in real businesses like Microsoft uh-huh. and this kind of thing. And I say, you know, I say, you know, and they ask, so what do you do? And Chad says, he just says like, a small, smaller explanation than that. And uh-huh. people go, oh my God, you do, th- I need uh-huh. to talk to you because uh-huh. our, at our blah, 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 we need, our salespeople suck. And, and like ev- everyone, he ta- I'll be talking about him to someone else and they'll be like, oh dude, I need his name because, <laughs> you know, I guess salespeople are like. Hard to find. I get, or good salespeople or it something. It sounds like an advertisement. Almost. Well, how would you know if, if I'm a company and I need salespeople, how would, how would I know the right time to call you? Oh, God. <laughs> Didn't you already ask me that? <laughs> I don't think so. Digitally. So I'll probably keep this in, but for the listener's sake, just understand that Berto just said a lame joke for the second time. <laughs> in, in two different episodes. Okay, this is an email for patron. This is an email from patron Lois. She says she's one of our most loyal listeners. Lois is loyal. She's loyal Lois. Loyal yeah. Lois. She says, I agree with your episode on microaggressions. I did an episode about microaggressions. And she goes on to say, at the age of seven, I moved to Utah many years ago. I was suddenly inundated with questions like, are you Mormon? What ward are you in? Have your parents been through the temple? And countless other questions like these. If I didn't answer these questions right, the children would not play with me. Unfortunately, this sort of thing still happens today in Utah. Do you guys have any thoughts about that? As, oh. a, as a microaggression? That's Can't, my first question normally is, are you Mormon? Oh. That's what you just ask people? <laughs> I shouldn't ask them, but I mean, that's what your brain gravitates to. Yeah, that's what you just want to know. From in, if they're Utah. from Utah. So can you define oh, you're for saying me, if they're from Utah. Right. That's what you want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Can you define for me microaggressions? Is that where yeah. like World of Warcraft makes money by selling you a <laughs> sword? Yeah. And uh, they don't say sword in America. They sword? Say, <laughs> um <laughs> The a definition of microaggression has been bastardized by right-wing media, so it's hard to understand what it is. But basically, it is a small, hostile, racist, or oppressive, sexist, uh, ageist, you know, any of the ists statement that someone makes toward someone that is the oppressed group. That's a very bad oh. definition but it but it, it but it, it's essentially it's a small hostility oh you probably know more about that because you're japanese and were born born earlier than me so right so that's a direct <laughs> hostility a microaggression is something like someone looking at you or me uh-huh. like if chad being a white boy a honky that yes. was a micro that was an active aggression yeah that's a that's an actual hostile racist okay. thing but if but if honky doesn't really bother me so okay okay well so you don't mind <laughs> what else can i say uh a guy from Florida. You're from Florida. That hurts. Ooh, that hurts. That cuts. <laughs> that's, that's deep. So if Chad were to look at us and say, oh, where are you from? 
Okay, that's a classic microaggression because you're not being directly hostile, but it feels hostile to the person because oh, you're you mean, saying you're not from around here. You're, not, are you're you? a foreigner, right? And or or little things like a woman in a business meeting, you interrupt her when you wouldn't interrupt the person if they were. A what man. do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a microaggression. And it, it's a it's a form of microaggression. It could be argued if you're if you're in Utah and all the other Mormons are asking you if you're Mormon, or if uh, you're not from, or if you're from Utah and you move to Washington and people are constantly asking you if you're Mormon. It in and of itself it might feel innocent to the person, but when you when you add up all the different things that are happening contextually, it it's hostile, you know, and so. That's again not a good explanation of my this progression. Kind of like when people ask me if my real name is Chadwick. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why, but that bothers me because I've never met anyone named Chadwick. Okay. Is your real name Chadwin? <laughs> what about <laughs> Chadster? Um, so that might not be considered a microaggression. It, it, it's probably just considered annoying and bothersome and ignorant. But microaggression, they usually, I think, if I remember right, it's relegated to. Uh, racism, sexism. All right. The I don't understand that because I have white privilege. So Right. So you, so you have no idea. I don't know what you're talking about right Although now. Although you look quarter Asian, so that's... That's a, a microaggression. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Which, which one of your parents is Asian? Yeah. <laughs> uh, she goes on to say, patron L- Loyal Lois goes on to say, by the way, Dr. Honda, I was there when they took the Japanese kids out of our school during World War II. I would not have known they were Japanese if the teacher had not told us. All I knew is that I missed my friends. So she was there wow. when the kids were rounded up. I think she lives in California, maybe Utah. Anyway, rounded, probably California because that was closer to the coast, were rounded up and put into internment camps or concentration camps or whatever you want to call them, the camps. And uh, I've talked about this before on the podcast that people in my family were rounded up and put into essentially prisons in the middle of cold Wyoming at Heart Mountain. And uh, it's very upsetting to me that the United States government, the government that was presiding over my ancestors who were born in this country, by the way, they were not foreigners, they were born here. And, I mean, imagine, Berto, it's essentially you weren't born in in the United States, right? That's a microaggression. So (laughs) imagine if you had kids... And they grew up. Right. And then we went to war with Colombia. Right. And then they, they put your children into a prison during that war. Sounds good, man. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, of course. That'd be, that'd be devastating. That's just, just how stupid it was, you know? And so, anyway. All right. Next, next email. Email from listener Tara or Tara. Which, which is it? Tara or Tara? Tara. 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 We're being microaggressivist. Um, she says, A lot of fans picked up on the potential romantic relationship in the future between Kylo and Rey of, of Star Wars. So a lot of fans picked up on the potential romantic relationship in the future between Kylo and Rey. And no. some of those fans write about that on their Tumblr sites. But I didn't pick up on that. They refer to this relationship as Raylo. Raylo. You know, like Brangeline, Brangelina, Raylo. And there's another group of Star Wars fans who hate the very idea of any kind of future amicable relationship between Kylo and Rey. 
They also hate any redemption arc for Kylo. They verbally abuse and bully the Raylo fans, accusing them of supporting domestic abuse. They make death threats against them, or oh or tell them that to seems ki- reasonable, or tell them to kill themselves. <laughs> uh, so it's the Raylo fans against the non Raylo fans, and I actually looked it up, and there's a ton of fan art that shows Kylo Ren and Ray in romantic, not sexual poses, but like romantic anime poses, and there's a lot of fan fiction. It's that- called hentai. <laughs> and and the uh, so uh, the other thing is, and a lot of other people are also writing about like, wait a second, if there's going to be a romantic relationship with Ray, it's going to be Finn. You know what I mean? But anyway, what do you guys think? Well, first of all, I I mean, what movie did they watch? Like, at best, they're cousins or something. Because if if she's like Luke's daughter and he's uh, Leia's son, they're literally cousins. Yeah. If she's not Luke's, but she's Obi-Wan's, it's still too close in the family. Like, come on, get away. But if they weren't, if they're not related... There were no clues that they're going to romantic involved. No, no, no. I mean, they were setting it up with Finn, and I still don't think they're going to go that way. Yeah. Because I think they're just going to make her a little bit more... Like, did they show us Luke's girlfriend back in the days? No. Yeah. So, I I, I mean, no. So, but, but that doesn't excuse the ridiculous uh, hate and death threats and... Well, let's let's get into that. What do you think, Chad? Do you think do you think Ray and Kylo are going to get together? I have trouble forming an opinion on on these things because I love these movies, obviously, but I'm not a super nerd. Yeah, like you are. Yeah, no offense. That's not a microaggression. That's an aggressive aggression. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't I don't condone um, death. You know, that's never good. Yeah. yeah, those people should be put to death. <laughs> Yeah, the death threater should be put to death. Well, what do you think about it supporting domestic abuse, Berto? Do you think it's supporting domestic abuse? Because, uh, you know, essentially you have a situation in, you know, the episode seven where Kylo is being abusive and kind of rapey in a sense, mind rapey with Ray, right? And, right. Then, and then now people are like, ooh, I hope they get together. It's like, wait a second. Right, that's BS. Because, like... What we're assuming is that that's how the relationship would be if there were a relationship, which there wouldn't be. But you could also imagine a redemption story, which I don't find. You could imagine it, whether you like it or not, you could imagine a redemption story yeah. where uh, he sees how horrible he was and he goes to therapy and he takes uh, some some uh, antioxidants. Well, or more realistically, <laughs> he battles the ultimate Sith Lord, right? Sure, sure. And it's similar to yeah. episode six. And in the, the point is, at the end of that, he's not emerging as a wife beater. He's a transformed man. Yeah. I still don't believe any of this would happen, but I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't know. I could see it being somewhat supportive or at least apologetic for abuse, but really, Ray kicked Kylo's ass in the end. So if they were romantic partners, I, I guess it's supporting... You know, female uh, on male abuse, right? In the same way, but uh, I could also see what. Well, here's what I think's happening. There are a lot of abused people on in the on this planet, and when they see Kylo, they see a villain. They see someone. They see a bully. Okay, there's a lot of people who've been bullied in the world too, right? And so when they imagine a storyline in which Kylo is the hero and gets the girl, the main girl. 
I could see how that would be triggering for some people if they have been bullied or hurt in some way. And I could see them coming out. You know, we're talking about a lot of people on the internet right now, right? And we can imagine them really coming out strong against any notion. Against that Anakin ever had anything to do romantically with Padme, right? Yeah. What did you guys think of the new uh, trailer, the new Star Wars trailer, Rogue One? Oh, wow. It's exciting. Yeah? Have you seen it? I have not. I thought you didn't watch trailers. I normally don't. I had to keep one eye semi-open for that one because it seemed so exciting. But you know what? It's not a bad trailer because it doesn't doesn't seem to tell the story. By by the way, that's the other reason. I trust J.J. Abrams with his trailers. He does a really good job with trailers. I don't trust almost anyone else. Like the Civil War, Captain America Civil War trailer that they showed uh, weeks before the movie and they had a huge reveal in there. It was like... Come on, guys. Yeah, right. But anyways, so I, I am excited. I'm excited. I, at first, when I saw the trailer, I was like, uh, I'm sort of let down. Mm-hmm. But I watched it a couple more times, or I saw different ones, and I'm, I'm super pumped. Yeah. It looks intense. It looks, because what I think is cool about it is, you know, you had to have episode seven that was a bridge to the new to the new set of movies. So they had to link it very close. They were sort of, you know, bootstrapped to the old story. You know, they had to have a Death Star. They had to have a Sith Lord. They had, you know, so that fans would say like, okay, this is clearly a Star Wars movie. Right. With Rogue One, they can go completely off the rails and, and write a story that fits what they want to write in terms of... And it seems... And they're going back to the the Rebel years. Like, it would have been prior to episode between three and four, just before four. It's like they're getting the the, the original yeah. Death Star is being built, yeah. And so, and that, and they're introducing like all these new characters that they don't have to fit into the canon, you know. Right. And so they're free to make a a great story. And you know that Abrams is like, we got to get some good writers on this, yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm pretty excited. I, the thing I'm not excited about is it's promoting rape culture because <laughs> it's basically a whole bunch of enablers for these uh, rebels to come and insert themselves into the Death Star against the Empire's wishes and explode inside of the Death Star and, and <laughs> blow the Death Star up. That I'm sorry. I cannot get behind that. That's ridiculous. All right. Another email from Patron Lorenzo. Patron Lorenzo says... Can you talk about teen development and the effect of social media? Do you have tips for parents to help mitigate against the corrosive effects of social media? Well, this is a very complicated topic. I'm curious to hear what you guys think because I know you're into social media. In fact, Birdo, after watching Game of Thrones on Sunday, I was so <laughs> I was so like stricken with grief. Oh yeah, uh, I won't even. Sp- Spoil, but I was, I just, I, I normally, I don't, I think very carefully about posting stuff on, on Facebook about Game of Thrones, but I was just so upset because I, you know, I watched it that night and had no idea it was about to happen. And the, the, the quick series of events that happened, I was just like so upset. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I had to express myself and I thought, and I said, well, what can I say? that doesn't spoil it. And 
all I said on Facebook was Hodor. Right. That's all I said. Just, just, just the word Hodor. Right. And I figured for those that know, will know. And for those that don't know, will be like, why is he just saying? Because, you know, it's sort of people do that on Facebook. Sure. They'll just be like, Hodor. Hodor. You know? yeah. And I just thought for people who know, who will know. And the people don't. But then the first person who commented was like, just spoiled the yeah, entire thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I can't believe it when I was <laughs> yeah, like, dude, don't. That's why. Well, and it's also, okay, so. I found the whole thing fascinating. Luckily, I had already seen it by the time I got on Facebook. Oh. So, so, so you were complaining for others, yes. I was complaining because I was imagining oh, what would have happened. You were deceiving, man. Uh, yeah. You were saying like, oh, everyone spoiled it for me. And That's I was right. just like, "That's probably directed at me. Were other people no, doing it? No, no, it wasn't just you, man. Oh. It was like... I seriously counted, uh, like I think, nine different friends of mine that posted uh, in some worse than yours. And, and, and I was thinking... They'd have to be worse than mine. I mean, mine just, just says Hodor. Yeah. That's all it said. Not a smiley face. Right. Just, just Hodor. That's all no, I no, said. because one of them said Hodor and then pound or... Uh, what's the Twitter? Is it pound? What's the... Hashtag. Hashtag. Uh, hold the... You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here's the, here's the thing. I found it fascinating as a social uh, event because... Normally, people are fairly careful. Not everyone, yeah. but normally people are fairly careful, yeah. and especially with Game of Thrones. Yeah. And by the way, to your point of like, you just put, well, here's the problem. It is Game of Thrones, so anytime someone says the name of a character, it might actually be, you. oh, they must have, you know. Yeah. So what I thought was, why is this event causing so many people that would otherwise not, you know, put right. spoilers, to all come out in force being like, you know, showing the flag, you know? Yeah. It was, and I think it was, you're right. It was such an emotional moment for yeah, so many cause people. Yeah, because it wasn't just the the tragedy. It was also like the way in which Hodor got his name yeah. and seeing it and, and thinking that Bran had, you know. Because, yeah, spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm being kind of, by the time this comes out. Well, let's just say by, spoiler alert. Because I want to say something about that. Okay. See, have you seen it? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't know if everyone caught this when they watched the episode, but the, the tragedy of it all is because, you know, it seems like he was heroically holding the door, right. but he was being controlled by Bran yeah. in the past yeah. and therefore in the future. Yeah. And so he ruined his brain, right? Yeah. He scrambled his brain yeah. and his whole life from a kid on to when he died was just for that purpose just for this to purpose. solve the the bug that Bran created by his mistake. Right. It's and I'm not you know Bran didn't do it on purpose stuff, but it's like wow, that's so tragic. That's yeah. so monumentally tragic. I know. That's what I mean. Oh. That's and Hodor was and is a, innocent. Innocent. What perhaps the most innocent character aside from Sam maybe and. And you know he's he's disabled, so you you just naturally feel sorry for him, and just to see him on the ground when he's a kid having a seizure, and they did a I'm getting chills just thinking about it. I'm too they they, they had a they had the perf that kid <sighs> that did you know hold the door hold the door yeah hold the, I mean it was I was like okay eventually he's gonna say Hodor right and then they had the just a perfect transition yeah. to Hodor. And yeah, I mean, the thing is, is we still don't really know what happened because we didn't see him die. Does he become one of the whites or the white walkers or whatever? Um, We just don't know. Right. And the other thing is, is like, 
they're about to break through the door and Bran and the girl are only like a hundred yards away. So yeah. what does that mean? But the, those things can't survive in the cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, the Hodor, um, I was thinking they were setting it up for like, oh, he's going to go berserk. Like uh, something's going to trigger. Like I, I was thinking that Bran in the past was going to say, you can be powerful or some bullshit, right? Yeah. And then in the future, Hodor was going to awaken and be like, Rah! and then just kick the butt of everyone. Yeah. And that was my hope. And then so when it was like the complete opposite. Well, uh, granted, he was still awesome because he dragged them and then held the door. But yeah. you know. Plus, the three-eyed raven dies. The uh, Wait, 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 what? The three-eyed raven guy. The tr- man oh, the was tree. he the raven? Yeah, he's the three-eyed raven. I forgot that. He was the three And then guy. the... The direwolf, Bran's direwolf. Um, right. is, is there any direwolf left? There's yeah. only um... there's ghost and there's uh, uh, what's her f- Arya's dog is like roaming free. I think. Oh, so there's two direwolves left. Yeah. So ghost and and Whoa. Arya's Arya's dog. But yeah, so all, so you know the direwolf, three eyed raven, Hodor. Seizure brand. I mean, it was just like it was too much for me to take, and I, I was like, I have to, I have to reach uh, out to the world right now, and I posted on Facebook, and then later on that night, after you were posting your your BS, Berto, I felt bad. So anyway, <laughs> getting back to social media here, very complicated topic. The research on social media and teenagers is actually quite complicated. It's there's a lot of different studies that contradict each other. For example, after several researchers have investigated the link between internet use and body dissatisfaction, you can imagine that, oh, of course, the more internet you use, the more body dissatisfaction you have. Well, it's unclear if there's even a link, even though it's common wisdom that there is such a link, right? Oh, this is so shocking considering that we've had Facebook for the last hundred years, right? Yeah. (laughs) Also, on the interwebs, if you remember, there was a recent trending study that people were posting all over the place. It was talking about how social media use was significantly associated with increased depression. Do you remember seeing this on the internet? People were posting it all over the place. I didn't see that. But anyway, I looked into the study. It makes sense. Well, and that would be the common wisdom, right? Social media use equals depression. Well, just long story short, I looked into the study. They surveyed about 1,800 adults. So that's just a survey, you understand? Like, that's not an experiment that... And it was random adults, or...? They... I think... I don't... Somehow they got a hold of 1,800 adults, and they just surveyed them. So... Are you depressed? If so, answer these questions. (laughs) Essentially, you know, are you... So it's, it's... so right there, it's hard, it's more exploratory than yeah. than really demonstrating a you know a phenomenon, and also uh, because it's a survey, it doesn't demonstrate causality; it only demonstrates association. So they found that as people answered the question that they used the internet more, they tended to be more depressed, right? Yeah, but. They're answering questions about being depressed, and they're answering questions about internet use, and maybe some other thing is causing. Maybe the depression is causing the internet use. It just, it just. Right. You can imagine that being true, right? If you're depressed, you don't, you never leave the house. What are you going to do except be on the internet, right? right? So it's, it's hard to say. And and it's changing. The landscape changes so rapidly because it's like, let's say Facebook, right? Which I was joking, but it was you know 2007 when it really started taking hold, um, and. Uh, that's not the current thing that kids are doing. Yeah. They're like Snapchat, as far as I know. Yeah. I moved on to something else. And 
all those dynamics, they're very different. And right. so how, how can you do a longitudinal study on any of this stuff? It's, right. it's unbelievable how fast it changes. Right. And so there's a pile of studies on this. It's fairly easy and popular to study this sort of thing. And there's no consensus yet. And the effect, even if it is there, it seems pretty small. Plus, it seems really simplistic to say that social media would cause depression. You know, It's like saying watching TV causes depression. It's like, well, many people watch TV and are not depressed, right? Yep. And, but you could also imagine if someone had, was on the fence, if they watched more TV, it might make them a little bit more depressed. You know, like f- for, for me, I'm not a depressed person. If I use the internet all the time, am I going to get depressed? I, I don't think so. You yeah. know? I might not like being on the internet more than I prefer, but I'm not going to become necessarily depressed. So it's, you know, media, social media use and depression, it's too complex of a thing to just make a statement like social media causes depression. So this study was adults. Yeah. Was there a similar study for teens? Uh, There have been. I don't know the stats, but again, similar kind of results where it seems mixed. And if there is an effect, it seems rather minor I, but I, but yeah. i'll get more into that in a bit yeah i, I will say this the um i not talking about studies or, or stats but uh anecdotally a friend has a, a son who's now i guess graduating from high school but at the time uh at the time of what i'm talking about uh he was uh 14 or 15 and it, you know posting things on facebook with a wide array of friends and acquaintances that are really personal, really personal. Right. And acting out and showing anger and things that you would do anyways amongst your, either in your room, in the, like when we were growing up, it'd be like you screaming into a pillow or telling your best buddy or maybe telling someone you trust in your family. That would be the circle of people that would know about this thing. And even that was always tricky. Now, you could say maybe that was the problem is you didn't tell enough people. But seeing this unfold with no capability of understanding, even the adults don't understand, how should social media work or being able to control it? I don't even know. Yeah. And and, and so here is this child posting these things that are affecting his friendships, his relationships, his self-worth, all these kind of things. And, And no one really knows. And so the best that the parents might be able to do is say like, Oh, no internet for a week or something. But I, it's like, it's a really tough problem that I don't think anyone really knows what to do. Right. <laughs> and I'll get into recommendations along those lines okay. in, in a little bit. But uh, so getting back to the way that studies are reported in the media, often in the media and all the sciences, what you'll find is one study will come out and then all the all the news people will come out and just say, okay, there's a study that says this and that's the way that it is without knowing that there are many other studies to consider that show different results and it's a much more nuanced picture. So again, a couple weeks ago, it was blasted everywhere that social media causes depression and I just want to point out that you cannot trust the news to report on this very well. Now, the social social media is a lot of different things, right? It can be good for people. It can be bad for people, right? We can imagine that to be true. It can be a way for people to stay in touch and enhance your life, but it can also be a venue for bullying and other nasty things, right? It's essentially the question of does social media cause depression is essentially asking the question, is socializing good or bad for teenagers, right? That, that's, that's 
the old people I find ask these kinds of questions like, is social media good for teenagers? It's like, is socializing good? Because that's that's a part of their socializing now is social media, right? Sure. So that isn't to say that we should just look the other way, though. But anyway, um, let me ask you some questions. And so I'm going to ask, this is all 2012 data. How many oh, hours, 2012, how many hours per day do U.S. teens spend using phone or internet? How many hours? Quickly here. What, what do you think? Uh, three. What do you think? Um, five. Seven. It's <laughs> a lot, right? <laughs> percentage of cell phones. Percentage of U- U.S. teens who have cell phones. What do you think? 93%. Not bad. Teens? Like starting at 12 or 13? Yeah. No, 65%. 75. Split okay. the difference. I don't have children, so. <laughs> percentage of <laughs> percentage, uh, at least an hour on social networking sites each day. So the percentage of teens who spend at least an at hour. At least one hour. At least one hour on social networking sites each day. Each day, eighty percent, eighty percent, yeah, eighty-five, fifty uh, percent. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, whoa, yeah. There actually, there are a lot of teens who don't use social media. Actually, oh, they're, yeah. There, you would think they all are, but there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of teenagers who just don't they just don't care. And those are the smart ones. Well, whatever. They just they just don't care, you know. And they just wow. not on their radar. They just don't care. Yeah. So what about all the eighteen year old girls I meet online every night? <laughs> yeah. Percentage of social networking accounts, like who have social networking accounts, like Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter. So they did, not that they spend an hour, but they just have an account. What do you think? What percentage? Um, I, I'm going to go at 82%. Okay. Yeah, 75%. 73%. Percentage. Nice. Percentage you play some form of video game. Percentage Ooh. of teenagers who play some form of video game. What do you think? 58%. You know. Seventy percent, ninety-seven. Oh, I should. Oh my, that was dumb. That was dumb. That was dumb. I should have known. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Candy Crush. Yeah, 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 it's dumb. It's dumb. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Therefore, if social media use had a negative effect, we would see an obvious difference between children today in comparison in comparison to children two decades ago. But we really don't. There's not a huge difference, if any difference, in the major factors that we look at, major variables that we look at, between teenagers today and teenagers, you know... They're still assholes, is what you're saying. Right. They were assholes then, and they're assholes now. We were assholes, and we were teenagers, and... You know, that's that's surprising in the opposite direction. I... I would imagine, but I guess I know now why, but I would imagine that having access to uh, social media and I guess the internet and stuff like that would uh, give kids more context and right. a broader view. So so let me talk about that for a little bit. There is some evidence, but not a lot. I mean, the, the overall thesis I'm going to say is that teenagers and kids today are basically the same as they've been in the past. There's this, there's this perception that every genera- every old generation always looks at the young kids today right. and says, oh, they're so different today. You know, they don't respect their elders or they're always on their phones or they don't, they, don't leave, they don't go outside or they don't play sports anymore. These people are out of touch. If you are actually in contact with kids and watching teenagers, you will see, oh my God, that's what I did. I sat in a circle and played, you know, that a game similar to that, you know what I mean, at recess. Or 
I was interested in jumping off of things. Kids still like to yeah. jump off things. Kids still like to interact with other kids. You watched Bukaki videos in VR while you were... <laughs> Jesus you know, Christ. I'm just saying, it's the same thing. Nothing's changed. So um, it's, it's more the parents that have gone crazy. Well, or the media or society right. or something. Yeah, I mean, parents are different now to some extent. And it's not to say that there aren't differences, but the way that people often talk about it, it's, in my opinion, overblown. What about exposure to sexual stuff? Right. So there are some effects. Like, for instance, there are, there's a likelihood that kids today, because of the internet and because potentially of social media, but more because of the internet, that they have a higher IQ and they're more knowledgeable about things. I mean, think about kids today and the the knowledge that's available to them compared to when we were kids when we had no knowledge available to us. So yeah. the so they are likely to just know more things and to also have their brain stimulated in a way that makes their IQ higher. And but that was true about us because we grew up with flashing MTV lights which actually like stimulates the brain and makes us I mean <laughs> not just MTV but <laughs> but other kinds of things that you know generations continue seemingly to get smarter because of technology and because of stimulation right. that that helps the brain develop and become uh, smarter. Uh for example, research has shown that teens use the internet for sex education and they generally are able to tell the difference between good information and bad information. So there's this, there's this, there's this notion out there that, oh, kids, they're going to be totally fucked up later on because they learn about sex on the internet and the internet on the sex, uh, internet on the sex, on the sex. <laughs> sex on the internet is totally fucked up right now. And so all the kids in the future are going to be fucked up. But actually research shows that kids now can tell the difference between good information on the internet regarding sex and bad information on the internet regarding sex. Now, that is not to say that there aren't effects. There are lots of kids, particularly young boys, but some girls, who are becoming addicted to sex on the internet, whether they're kids or adults. And this creates a, a pathway on the, in the brain that can become exploited later on in terms of a similar addiction or other kinds of addictions. So that is a, that's a trend but it's not like in 30 years, 90% of the country is going to be addicted to porn. It's, 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 and, and it's not like in the past people weren't addicted to porn. So it, 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 it has an effect in that it, it will increase the incidence in all likelihood and probably already has. But it's not going to become the epidemic that people think. Yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned about that, actually, because um, I, like if they regulate at all my 10 hours daily of porn, I'd be pissed. <laughs> so other kinds of things, people are kids are probably likely to be more globally conscious these days is, is just a guess. My guess is they're probably more anxious about the news because they're exposed to much kids are. Ex I, when I think about when I was a kid, I had no idea what was going on in the world. <laughs> I had zero idea. Be why? Because no one told me. And two, I didn't read the newspaper and I didn't watch the news. I, I watched the cartoons and that was it. And no one really talked about it in my life. And so I had no idea what was happening in the world. And today it'd be hard to imagine a U.S. kid not hearing about things that are happening, you know? Although, that's interesting. Uh, it must vary uh, from household and cultures, too, because, for example, in, in, in Colombia, I think it was everyone of my age that was growing up was exposed to all these nightly news that were horrid and horrible, and we were probably all traumatized. Um, 
But I'm thinking uh, nowadays, there's so you don't have to. There's not like just the two channels, and one of them's got at 7 p.m. the news, and so the adults are watching, and so that's the only thing you can watch. Mm. Instead, you got like the Netflix and the Xbox video and all these things. So pretty much, you could watch anything you want at any time. So I'm kind of wondering, do kids actually get ever to a news situation? Huh. <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> right. So that's another you know factor. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm imagining kids are feel more empowered now. If you're a gay kid in the middle of rural area, 20 years ago, what were you going to do? Like you're you're screwed. Right. Today, you're still kind of screwed, but at least you have you. If you have the internet, which you likely do, then you have access to and and power that you never had 20 years right. ago. So, I just imagine that that's you know that's a helpful thing. Um, people are less physically active these days. The internet probably doesn't help with that. <laughs> kids are probably impacted by that. And I'm guessing that kids are a little less connected to other people because of the uh, entertainment options in your own bedroom, you know? And, so. and I, I think the connections with between kids and adults also get a little weirder. In the situation I was mentioning where a teenager posts something, they have a whole bunch of their relative, adult relatives and adult relative friends as part of that network and they see those posts so imagine when you were a kid i don't, I don't know about you guys but i was certainly always two different people if i was around the adults i wasn't cussing and i wasn't saying the horrid things me and my friends would say <laughs> uh but when i was with my friends we were like the you know the terriblest people on earth um if, if i was posting some of that stuff online today as a kid and everyone in my fam- adult family circle sees those things. I'm like, oh, now you could think, well, they were kids too, so maybe they're like, ah, those are kids. Kids will be kids, maybe. But it's just, it's just a different dynamic, though. No matter what, it's like if your mom overheard everything you and your friends are saying, she'd probably be like, what the hell? You guys have to go right now and outside, and you know, whatever, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into tips. Do you guys have any tips for parents regarding? what to do with their teenagers in social media? <laughs> Destroy the computer? <laughs> okay. That's an option. I'm, uh, I have no children, so, so I'll, I'll do my best, but... Uh, Destroy the computer. Destroy the computer. No, okay. no that's not... I'll say, I'll say a couple things, and this is probably not right, but one, I would audit... <laughs> audit's probably the wrong word, but I would audit their friends very carefully. The friend list. Like, I would sit down with, with them and be like, all right, Let's go through your friend list because I want to make sure I know who's your friend. Interesting. And they would probably be like, no, mom. But I'm like, you know, <laughs> why, why am I a mom? I don't know. But it would happen that way. And uh, yeah, good luck with that with a 16-year-old, by the way. Well, you, you kind of don't have a choice if they've added you. Like, I can see the people's friends, right? They might not add you. Oh, well, then that's like another conversation. A lot is, of kids will have separate Facebook accounts oh, for I give up. their friends. Well, I don't know. I guess I would. Okay, fine. Let me back up. Let me, let me, I, I guess I would have a conversation about the risks, the online risks and, there, yeah, that makes sense. you know, and, and power imbalances that can be set up and okay. maybe do some research together. And how well, often would you do this? How often would I have these conversations? Yeah. When they turn 13, of course. <laughs> this is so confusing because when I was 10 or 11, my dad took me to get ice cream and he was like, don't you ever get a girl pregnant. And that was like, that was oh. it. <laughs> and now, every time I get ice cream, <laughs> <Yeah>. I get a boner. <laughs> so I, I can't imagine uh, being a parent 
now yeah, and I, trying to deal with this stuff. Yeah, it's it's rough. I mean, the the main thing I'll say <laughs> is you got you got to monitor. Some parents they don't monitor at all, and I think you're taking a big risk with that. Yeah, you have to monitor. You can have them use their their screens, as you say, like their iPads and their computers and their phones. You you might mandate that they use it in the living room, but they they can't use the internet in their bedroom by themselves. That's right. that's you know. So you can kind of look over their shoulder and just kind of see what's happening. I know like. I won't say it. <laughs> Was it a Bukaki thing? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just thinking. Like, what's funny about that is, where's the porn magazine in the mix? Then, <laughs> what do you mean? Because you know, back when, when, when in the old days, the teenager would have the hidden magazine on Sears their catalog. Come on, yeah, or fine, Sears catalog. <laughs> well, the thing is, is you're not going to be able to monitor it, you know, a hundred percent, but. If you monitor it as much as you can, it, it'll it'll help because you'll be there to guide the kid, and and the kid will will stay within the bounds more likely. Johnny, why do you always take the iPad to the bathroom with you? Yeah, and why is the screen sticky? <laughs> what are we worried about? Uh, what, what are we worried that is going to happen with the kids? Exploitation is one obvious thing. I think a lot of people are overly paranoid about it. I agree. Frankly. But but that is something that happens, and you, and people yeah. should be concerned. Another thing is is like Birdo, you know, when in another episode you talked about being abused sexually as a child, when you expose children to sexual material before de- it's developmentally helpful, they can have residual negative effects later in life. If a five year old, you know, is browsing the internet and types in some unfortunate Google search and you're not monitoring it and there's no parental, you know, like program on the computer and he just starts clicking through, you know, just, just horrible or just even normal internet stuff about, about sex that is going to uh, not be in traumatic in the sense of being abused, but it actually uh, affects children sometimes. In fact, exposing children to pornography is a form of sexual abuse. Oh. And and so so that's another, you know, big thing. Another big thing is is being exposed to just death and and violence and scary things, you know. There's a, the, the internet is filled with just How old were you when you things. saw your first set of boobs last week? But yeah. I was 6 years old when I found one of my dad's porno mags and I like invited my friend over and we read it together and then we took it out to the woods and we buried it and we built a fort. Yeah. I don't feel like personally I had any negative. negative. Well, it's hard to know what effect it had on you, but that is, if that's all the internet was, <laughs> was a Playboy magazine. You know what I yeah. mean? What he's not telling you is that this is the story his mind made up. They actually, it was a, they killed someone and buried them in the woods. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it was a porn magazine. The other thing I'll say is that research finds that monitoring children's internet use actually reduces their risk of several bad things, including being harassed or cyberbullying. So another thing is cyberbullying, right? Is I was it, bullied. Uh, like crazy as a kid, so maybe it was because I saw the porno mag when I was six. It's Probably not. Possible. I'm guess. I'm guessing it's possible, right? Probably not. No. Um, also, well, sorry. So a note about that though, like because, um, it, and I've heard this is that in the past you could be bullied at the school, and then you would go home and at least, well, assuming you weren't bullied at home, you would have a little bit of a reprieve. But with cyberbullying, it's like it can never stop. Yeah, that's true. 
And also research shows that cyberbullying, the incidence of it is lower than real bullying. So okay. sometimes people focus on cyberbullying and it's like, well, we still have a problem with real bullying, <laughs> face-to-face bullying. Anyway, the other thing I tell parents is don't be afraid to impose limits. There's plenty of parents out there, particularly liberal, modern Seattle parents, who are, I don't know, they're just really, af- they want to be very sort of, I don't know, just they want to be, they don't want to be a dick to their kids is what I'll say. <laughs> and the issue is, is you have to be a dick to your kid. You have to disappoint them sometimes. And when you impose limits, they're not going to like it. That's, that's the, that's the deal, but it's your job to do that. And don't be afraid of it. If you think that, you know, they're on the internet too much, then do not be afraid to go on a campaign of limiting that. And, and don't be put off when they start crying or yelling at you or wishing you get run over by a bus. <laughs> That's just a part of parenting. You are not your child's friend. You are your child's parent. Right. R- right, Berto? That's right. All right. Um, also, start imposing limits early. When the, from the first, today, really, from the time they're old enough to pick up an iPad, you have to immediately, especially with kids that show signs of being addicted to this sort of stuff, you have to impose limits right away so that by the time they're 13 you're not introducing limits for the first time they're used to these limits like you can also have net nannies or parental controls and and frankly don't be afraid to eliminate it from their lives altogether they don't need the internet they they don't they might need it for school but they don't need to be browsing they don't need a phone if they maybe it'd be nice to have a phone but they don't need a phone so don't if things are getting out of control don't be afraid to just be like, nope, no screens. You know, just we're just going to eliminate that from our household. I, I yeah, I'll make a point on that. Is that I bet you the best technique there would have to involve the parent demonstrating the right. concept. So that leads me to so that's number one, monitor. Number two is model. As a parent, you have a tremendous modeling effect on your kids. So when you come home. Do not immediately go to your phone or the computer. You know, spend time with people. When you're at dinner, don't have the phone even nearby. Don't be looking at a screen. That is a, a tremendous effect on kids. When they, they do what you do. Whatever you do, they will do. And so if, if you want to help them out, you might have to look at your own behavior first. And just because you're adult doesn't mean that it's okay. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. you, you still might be exhibiting the Do as thing. I say, not as I do. Right. <laughs> the third thing I'll say is the main thing, this is the primary thing that to focus on, is to have a good bond and a good attachment with your child. Because when you do not have a good bond, not a good attachment with your child, then they're much more prone to internet addiction. They're much more prone to being bullied. They're much more prone to allowing themselves to be exploited they're much more prone to depression and other kinds of things that lead to addiction and, and lead to problems with the internet. And, and when it comes time to guide them, they're not going to listen to you because they don't care. So you got to spend time bonding with your kids. So, but Casino Royale is pretty violent though. Like I, but I guess, yeah. Good recommendation. Are you talking about the manga? No. Is this one of those jokes that'll take like five minutes? <laughs> you to said, you said a good bond like Casino oh. Royale. It doesn't get better than that. God. So guide is the fourth thing. You want to guide your kids. You want to help them make good choices. Berto, you said this. You want to help them understand what the internet is. You want to help them to make informed choices. You know, you want to tell them, look, there are people out there that might exploit you on the internet and you have to be careful of that. And you want to not, do not 
search for lemon party. Just, just, <laughs> just don't do it. So basically talk to your children so they don't talk to someone else. That's well, right. and actually maybe confront it head on too as far as like sit down with them and show them all the wonderful things you can do on the internet. Show them some of the risky things you can get into trouble by accidentally clicking on a site that downloads a thing and now you got pop-ups everywhere and in your malware on your computer. Uh, explain to them that the wrong kind of searches can basically, you know, give them very disturbing results. So don't, you know. <laughs> I, I'm just kind of thinking like, um, when okay, so when I was a kid, I remember uh, some of the lessons I learned from my dad. He was pretty like he just talked to me pretty directly about it um and of course one of the things that always stuck with me the most is whenever he would use a personal experience like you know i i made this mistake and because you know you can kind of be like oh okay um so i just i just feel like instead of avoiding the topic altogether like no 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 internet in this house because then they might just go do internet next door and then you've never had the conversation. It's the same thing with sex, right? Like, we don't talk about sex. There's no sex in this house. You can't do sex till you're 25. <laughs> and then pretty soon, she's pregnant 10 times. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So, again, monitor. Make sure you bond. You can model. And you also want to guide and educate. And the last thing I'll say is don't worry. Just be a parent. There's a lot of anxiety right now with parents because there's – so much in the media about like this will make them this and this will be you know, just know that if you have a good attachment with your kid and you're there for them that things will very likely work out there's so much emphasis today on being a perfect parent you have to get your pre your pre-k pre-k in to and you got to get them started early or else they won't you know, do as well on the GREs when they're, you know, and, and you got to start, you know, vesting for college because it's, you know, but there's just all this crazy stuff when the baseline for everything is your attachment to that child. If you have a good relationship with that child, it, it probably won't matter how much they're on the internet because they know they're loved when they are, when they run into a problem, they know they can come to you. You will be there to help them. And that's what I say about that. Any final words? As a society, we don't yet even understand what we are doing with social media and social networks and things like that. So let alone good, you know, know exactly what to say about it to a kid because like adults don't really even know how to use it well, as is evidenced with the uh, fights that break out on Facebook over politics, for example. Um, but or, or spoilers. Or spoilers. <laughs> but to your point, I think that as in all things, talking to you, you know, you're actually having conversations and engaging and um, kind of showing your love and support uh, is probably like about the best thing that you could do. Well, that does it for another episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us as we responded to patron emails. If you want to become a patron of the podcast, go to patreon.com. There you can pledge a patron amount per month and become a patron of the podcast and you can get access to our premium episodes. You also know that 20% of your pledge goes towards different charities that we support. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it.